0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea. Uh, we are in a study called The Road to Emmaus. We're walking through the Old Testament in about a 10 or 11, uh, about a 10 month series. And uh, it's entitled Road to Emmaus because in Matthew 24, 27, Jesus is walking with two of the disciples on the way to this place called Emmaus. And, uh, and he interprets the scriptures for them to show that how all of the Old Testament points back to him. And so we had this crazy idea of what would that look like? Like, you know, if you could jump in a time machine... And go back and be walking down the road with Jesus, you know, and listening to this conversation. Like it's one of those things that I look forward to do when we get to heaven of saying, what did you tell them exactly in that, in that, that walk? But we said, you know, what if he just hit like a lot of the, the big highlights of the Old Testament when he was walking with these guys and showed how he fulfilled those things. So we started this series a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with creation. And then we, last week we did the fall uh, we looked at Genesis 3.15 where God promised to his people that, uh, that one day he's going to send an heir, a seed from Eve. And that, that seed, that heir, that person is going to destroy death. It's going to stomp the head of Satan and will forever change the way that we interact with God. We know now having lived in, lived in light of the cross that he was referring to Jesus there. But we need to still look at those passages and look at God's plan throughout the scriptures and how everything is pointing forward to the cross. And so we're going to continue to do that today with the story of Noah's Ark. But as, a, as our tradition that we've formed here, we always want to start off the service with a little recap of what we've learned so far. And so we need our volunteer, our, our weekly scribe. It can't be someone that's done it before. So Jim's out, Asher's out, who's up this week to be our, our scribe on our board. All you have to do is write what people say. Nathan Koenig. Come on down. Give it up for Nathan. Okay. Uh, let's do black. Write big so that everybody can see it. So what we're going to do is we've done two weeks, right, of this story so far with creation and the fall. What, have we, what, what do you guys remember from the story so far pretty much? Big details. God created the world. That's good. It's the big picture. Good job, Christy. It was not good for man to be alone. So what happened? It was not good for man to be alone, so God made women. Women. For man's side, right? To come alongside him. So what do we know about man and woman in the garden? They're created in the image of God. Did you speak on that? That was amazing. (laughs) Good job, buddy. In the image of God. Where, where where Adam and Eve? Oh wow, we get pictures this week. She is. She needs to eat a little more though. Um, so they're in this place called Eden, right? It's paradise. It's the way that God intended human beings to live. Um, what what happens next? Name the animals. Yeah, Adam Adam gets the job of naming the animals. Yeah, that he walks with God daily. Yeah, they, he has this really close relationship with God, walking and talking with God. So where's the story start to go south? The snake. Yep, snake enters the garden. It it uh, it tempts Adam and Eve to do what? Be like God. So give us some details there. What happened? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, God puts a tree in the middle of the garden. They call it the knowledge of the, tree of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and he, says, he tells them, do not eat of that tree, otherwise you will die. Satan comes along and says, you're not really going to die. What actually God's holding back from you, he knows that when you eat that from that tree, you will be like God. Um, Adam and Eve believe the serpent in the garden. Eve eats, gives it to Adam, they both eat. Uh, and then what happens? What's next? They are ashamed, yep. They cover their nakedness. They realize there's something different between them and God. Their attempt to gain God's throne has resulted in a fall, uh, a failure. And now what is the result of of the fall? Cast out, yep. Does God say something to them before he sends them out? Yeah, there's curses. Uh, The snake gets cursed. He has to crawl on his belly for all of his days. And ultimately, when he, the curse, he says that you're going to be destroyed. And uh, do you guys remember what the curse was to Eve? The women remember that one, wow. That's awesome. There's a result of their sin, sure. And it was pain and childbirth for the woman. Also, uh, between her and her husband, that will not be uh, this beautiful relationship any longer. It's going to be very difficult. You're going to want passion, and there's going to be power instead. It's going to be a a very difficult relationship. Uh, What about man? Yep. Before, where he had dominion over creation, now creation will have dominion over him in a way. He will have to fight to produce food from the ground. It'll be a daily, a daily struggle for him, and then ultimately, what is the result for man? Death. death. You will no longer live forever. Uh, now there, there will be, there will be death, and so God sends them out of the garden, as a, I believe, as a, a sign of even of His grace, away from the tree of the knowledge of good, uh, the, the tree of the life, so that He doesn't want to live them to live forever, separated from Him in sin, and so they go out. Uh, anything else? Any other pertinent details? Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep. So we see the first picture of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament of sin. God takes a sacrifice; he kills an animal, and then clothes them, bringing restoring them back their dignity. And, and therefore bringing a, a symbolic redemption that we know will later be very significant in God's plan throughout the Old Testament. Of a sacrificial system which we'll even, we see in Cain and Abel in our story today. We see in Noah when he gets off the ark. That's the introduction of, of that system. An, an atonement for sin. Something has to be paid. God is just, right? God is good, right, and holy in every way. And because he is just, when there is sin, it must be punished. That's a part of the nature of God. If He didn't punish sin, He wouldn't be just. And if He's not just, He can't be God, right? That's a part of this system that we're, this story that we're stepping into. Awesome, Evening here. huh? Evening's hair. Here. Evening here. Yeah. it wasn't. The one. <laughs> I know that's not a curse, we get well. to eat meat. Yeah, which we, even more in Noah. You know, it says now. You know, you will get to consume the animals. They will be afraid of you from now on. Thank you. Appreciate it, Nathan. Good job. Awesome. Uh, so where, where our story picks up today, Adam and Eve have have, uh, have gone out of, out of the garden. Um, they have two sons. Names of the sons are Cain and Abel. Uh, both of the sons bring a sacrifice before God. Um, God chooses... Um, Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. We don't really know what it was about Cain's sacrifice that was not acceptable to God. But God chooses um, Abel's sacrifice. Cain becomes very angry at this, very angry at God, and so he kills his brother. And so the, the first two children born into creation, from what we know of the story, one of them is a murderer and kills his, kills his brother. And, uh, and from Cain, um, God curses Cain. And he says, you know, you're going you're gonna to wander the earth all your days. And as you continue to read the story, we see that Cain produces some kids that aren't exactly, well, let's say the, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. He produces a kid named Lamech, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And Lamech in the scriptures brags that he has killed a man. You know, this is, this is our introduction to, to what humanity is going to be like outside of the presence of God. We have murder. we have uh, Cain killing Abel. we have Cain 's son uh, lamech he 's taking multiple wives for the first time, which is not a part of god 's plan um, for for us and being in a relationship with one another it 's to one man, one woman, one one relationship he, so he takes multiple wives he brags about killing killing someone, and then the story just jumps into basically a genealogy that uh, from from Adam, and we see that uh, People lived a really long time, but and, but we know a few of them actually had a, some type of a relationship with God. Guys like Enoch, it says Enoch walked with God, would imply that he had a, a very personal relationship with God, that he, that he talked with them, but for the most part, we don't see a whole lot. And then, uh, in chapter 6 of Genesis, um, we see things uh, go downhill really, really fast, and um, it jumps forward at the end of this genealogy. And basically what the scriptures tell us is that the world is so bad by Genesis 6 that a man is so evil that God decides that he is going to, to, uh, to wipe man out. And, and the words the scripture actually uses in, in Genesis 6, and these are not up on the screen, it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Well, wow, there's a there's a sentence for you. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart, man's heart, was only evil continually. Wow. Like that says a lot about depravity, right? And and in that same section it says that There's something that happens where the the daughters of men and the sons of God, they get together and do something that is very despicable to the Lord. We don't exactly know what that is. The scriptures doesn't tell us. But for God, it was the last straw. You know, he looks at at, at creation. And and literally it says in 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals, creeping things, and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow. I think this is, the, this is one of those stories that we'd like to leave out, you know? Like, you ever like, well, I'm not going to tell that one to my friends. I'm going to tell the happy stories. We don't want to talk about what life looks like outside of a relationship with God. Like, like, I think that's why we don't get gory details of this time period between Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden and the flood. But it's meant to be for a picture of us of life outside of a relationship with God. It gets so bad that, that God says, you know what, I wish I would have, have never created. And we don't like that, right? Like we don't like that part of God's nature. And it's because we, we don't like that God is, is just. You know? Like we, we look into this story uh, and we see sinful humanity and, and we want to see, wait, hang on, that's not right. Like, God can't, God can't destroy humans. Like, that's not, that's not God's nature. And one of the things we have to understand about God is that He hates sin. Right? And because He is just, there must be a punishment for sin. And it doesn't matter if we like God's sense of justice... We have to know that if God, when God exercises justice, when He exercises judgment, then it was warranted. That's that's all that we're supposed to re- look into the story, and we're supposed to see. You know what? You don't have to like it. We don't have to be happy about it. But we have to understand that it was it was God's plan. Judgment is always warranted by those who receive it from God. That's why I love living in light of the cross, right? Because today, are we still sinners? Yes. Do we still deserve judgment? Yes. But who took ours? Jesus. God incarnate is going to take the penalty for sin for us. It wasn't the same in the old covenant. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I've got two pictures up here of Noah's Ark that I want us to take a look at. And basically, tell me what you see, see in the pictures. Rainbow, is it a is it a sad picture? No. This is like our children's storybook picture of Noah's Ark, right? Big Ark. It's like a petting zoo, you know? Noah there with his beard and his staff. Feel... Whales doing backflips, you know? Like, woo, God destroyed the world, you know? That's what it that looks like. Okay, let's try another one. Try the next picture. This is by a guy named Gustave Dorier. And it was in the 1850s. He's a, a, a British painter, and he was commissioned to paint uh, for one of the versions of the, of the Bible. And so when he came across Noah's Ark, this is what he did. What do you guys see? Naked people. Yes, thanks. Drowning. Yeah. Suffering. It's like the last rock before the water comes up. And this is a a mom and a dad pushing their baby, handing their baby up. And you see the tigers up there with its baby. And that's it, right before the the floods come over the rock. It's not as happy of a picture, is it? This is a horrific story. Like it is, like out out of all the scriptures... Even when the, the New Testament writers wanted to talk about when things were really bad, they pointed back to Noah. You know? Jesus, in Matthew 24, when he tries to describe how, what, how bad the world's going to be when he returns a second time for, for like a final day of judgment we're going to talk into, he alludes back to Noah. He says it's going to be, a, it's gonna be a, lot, a lot like Noah. And so in the in the midst of a of a world that is is deprived, that that is broken, that is sinful, that's murdering one another, that is not accomplishing the the goal that God had placed them for, which was to be fruitful and multiply. God decides to exercise judgment against those people, but it's because he has a plan. And he has a plan to, to display his grace to mankind. And he's going to do it through a guy named Noah. And so in our story, uh, in Genesis 6, um, at the end there, right after God says, it's really, so, he's, so God says, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But, I love this, this is, this is God. This is uh, in 6, eight. but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Grace, right? There's two terms that we're going to be introduced to here. It's grace and covenant. And it's the first two, two times we're ever going to see these words used, but they're going to play a huge part in God's redemptive plan for mankind throughout the Scriptures. It says that God, that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So I'm going to say something real quick, and it's just my, my disclaimer I am going to say Moses over and over again, and I mean Noah. So when you hear Moses, it's Noah, okay? And just try to keep the giggling down as I do it. I've tried to correct myself, and I can't. So. So, uh, so, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And, and, that, and that word favor, it means that God liked Noah, right? So, so the world is going to hell pretty much. Like, it's an awful place, uh, to, to be. And God looks down and it says he sees Noah and, and, and Noah finds favor in the eyes of God. God like Noah. Why do we think God like Noah? Any guesses? Obedience is a big part of it, yeah. We know that, that uh, it says two other times... Um, one is in six twenty-two. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Again in seven five, and Noah did all that God commanded him. You know, obedience—that's one of the things. You can read on in six nine. Here it says, "These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in the in his generation. Noah walked with God." So, did Noah? Did did God choose Noah because he was a righteous man? Well, it would imply not because it says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, right? Grace is unmerited. It's basically um, grace is unmerited favor. It means you, do, you have done nothing to deserve this, but I am choosing you. God, That's the essence of God liking someone. Him, him showing grace to them, unmerited Unmerited favor. What I think this means here in, in verse 9, when it says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, if you look at the way the Hebrews use the word righteous and blameless, so, so blameless would be if you, were, if you said someone was blameless, that, that doesn't mean that, that they never had blame. To a, to a Hebrew, blameless is someone who had blame, realized that they were to blame, repented of that blame, and turned to God. It doesn't mean never had. And so the unique thing that we see about Noah is, what Kimmy said, obedience. And the fact that Noah realizes that he is sinful. We we know that Noah is sinful because we can read ahead in the story. In in 9, it says, after they get off the ark, God says, this is part of his covenant, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. So before the flood... The intentions of man's heart were evil every day continually, right? After the flood, after the ark, the intentions of man's hearts are evil from his youth. Who's he talking about? Noah. He's like the only guy alive at that time, right? when they get, it's, it's him and, and Ham and, and Shem and Japheth. It's his sons. And so it's not that man does anything to warrant the grace of God. I believe that Noah and his sons were as evil as everyone else in their days. You know, the first thing that Noah does when he gets off the when he gets off the ark, he plants a vineyard, gets drunk and passes out naked. I mean, that's in the story. Like, that's what we get of Noah. Imagine being on the ark with the guy for like six months. He can't have been a great guy to hang out with, you know, but you're trapped. You're trapped there with him. And I think, guys, what I, and the point I'm getting at, and I'm being a little facetious, is that God chooses us and we respond to God. That, that's our role in the relationship. God doesn't choose us because there's, there's something inherently good about us. That would negate grace, right? That would negate favor in the eyes of God. God looks down and he, and he sees his creation and he has favor upon his creation. And our response to God is one very similar to Noah, is, is to pursue righteousness. And righteousness is the repenting of sin... Right? And turning to God. Yes, I'm sinful. I am broken. I, I see myself in these stories. And I'm going to turn to your grace. I'm going to turn to God. That's the response that God calls out of us. And I believe that the reason that God initiates covenant with Noah is because, because this act of obedience, of, of, of responding. So God's favor and we respond so in our, in our story, what, is, uh, what does God ask Noah to do? Huh? Build an ark. Build an ark. Yeah, build a big boat. He tells him how big to build it. All the, he's, God's going to bring all the animals to the ark. So what do we see here? This is God having favor upon humanity, right? In the midst of God's judgment, God says, no, I'm going I'm to continue to set aside a people for my glory, Right? I'm going to build an ark. I want you to build an ark. And that had to have been pretty hard for Noah, right? God, I, it, I, what are you talking about? You're going to flood the world, you know? And it takes a guy a long time to build the ark, right? He didn't start till he's like, you know, what, 300 years old? He starts building the ark, you know? And, and he builds it, and then they all get in it. And we always watch the children's stories, and everybody's like making fun of Noah, like the crazy guy that's building the ark, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was fair. He is building a giant ark in the middle of the land but, it's never where it's never rained. That's true. But, but he listens to God, right? I mean, that's what's so cool about Noah is, is, is he's like, okay, God, I believe you. You speak, I believe. That's a radical difference from Adam and Eve, right? God says, Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree while they're in paradise. And what does Adam and Eve do? Eat of the tree. So now Noah, in obedience, right? God says, build an ark. It's never rained. And Noah's like, okay. I think that's what it means by God. uh, Noah walked with God. Noah listened to God. And and this is a really important point for us. When when God approaches us with his grace, when he extends his love down to us, our response is obedience, not sinlessness. Because I believe we live in a culture that teaches that that God chooses you or chooses us because we're good people. And then in order to respond to God, I have to be sinless, right? Or let me, let me get all my, my junk together. I, I stopped myself there. Let me get all my junk together and then I will respond to God. That's not what Noah did. Noah said, okay, God, I believe you. I'm going to respond to you. It's obedience. God took care of the sinlessness stuff on the cross. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. What he expects out of us is obedience. And when we will be obedient to God, he will use us for amazing things for his glory. God wants to use us for his glory. He wants to use his people to declare his glory to the world. That's why he continues to to, uh, use Noah. It's why he's going to use Abraham you know, it's why he's going to use David. It's why he's going to use the Jews in the Old Testament. Because he wishes to display his glory through a people. That's the essence of covenant. That's the other term we're introduced to here, is God? God uses covenant to choose for a people to be in perfect relationship with himself. So God will always have covenant with mankind. And God will go to great lengths throughout the Old Testament to ensure that the covenant is fulfilled, that mankind continues. And so we look at a story, we look at those pictures and we say, oh, how awful is this that God would do this? When in reality we're to say, you know what, I don't understand it, but I believe God is just. And then we're to look at the story and see, wow, grace. Like look at what God does to continue to fulfill the promises that to display his glory. And he's going to do it through this guy Named Noah. So they build an ark. They get on the ark. It starts to rain. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the clouds clear out. All of the earth is covered in water. And it says for 150 days they've floated on the ark together. That couldn't have been fun. Animals, little boat, little claustrophobic. And then what does Noah do? After 150 days he sends out a dove, right? To search for land. And it comes back without anything. And so he keeps doing this. It says every couple of days he sends out a dove. And then one time it comes back with a a leaf, a branch. And so he knows that there's land. And it says the the ark comes to rest on a a mountain. As the waters are are residing, they're going down. And the animals and Noah and his kids, they get off the ark. And Noah builds a sacrifice to God. And in that moment, we see the first covenant that God makes with mankind. And so in 6... Noah, God said to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. Your sons and your wife, their sons and the wives with you. Every living creature will come. And so we further explain what that covenant is in uh, chapter 8, verse 20. And that's actually what our message is going to be about. So the rest of this is just introduction, sorry. Um, but it's good context to know what we're getting ourselves into. So what I actually want us to do this morning is actually look at the covenant between Noah and God. Uh, and it starts in chapter 8, verse 20. And I would invite you guys to stand for the reading of the word. Uh, and we're going to check it out up on the screens here. I, is there anybody that would volunteer to read that? Okay. Uh, starting in 8.20 and go through 9.17. Well, thanks, Christy. You guys can have a seat. So this is, this is the first covenant that we see man, uh, God making with man. God choosing man, having, man having favor in the eyes of God, and God saying, I'm going to use you uh, to display my glory. Uh, you being, I'm going to teach you how to be in a perfect relationship with me. And God will, like I said earlier, will continue to, to use covenant. He's going to use it with, with Abraham, Right? In just a little bit. He's going to use it with Abraham's kids. He's going to use it with, with, with Moses. Covenant is going to, to be displayed over and over again throughout the scriptures. So it's going to be a very important term for us to, to understand. And could keep, look, keep looking at how the covenant develops. Now, the covenant starts out with God, with no, with God giving Noah a command really similar to that he gave to Adam. Right, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Remember, Adam was made in the image of God to reflect God. And God said, go and, and multiply, fill the earth, reflect me to everything. And, and then Adam becomes this broken reflection of God when he sins and when he falls. God doesn't then change his covenant. He doesn't then change what he's asking of mankind. He just starts over with, with Noah. He says, okay, Noah, be fruitful. Go forth and, and multiply and fill the earth. That, that's, what, that's the same that's the same um, covenant that he's made with us today, right? Is, is we're his image bearers. We're meant to reflect his glory. We're, we're meant to go out and display him to the world. Like God ha- has displayed himself in, in creation. God's revealed himself in the, in the truth of his word. Why does he just go to such lengths to ensure our survival? As I believe that, that mankind has this unique and special role that God has allowed us to, 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 um, to display His glory. And if we would just see ourselves in that same light, if we would see ourselves in the way that God wants to use us, and, and, and look at the links that God goes to ensure the survival of mankind, and that makes me want to respond in obedience, right? When I see all that God has done, when I see what he, who He is and His love and His grace and His plan, it makes me want to respond. And I respond in, in, who I, in who I am and what I should do, right? Who is God? What has he done? Our response, who are we and what should we do? That's, that's what God asks out of us. And then God is even going to equip Noah to accomplish the task that he set out for him. And he's going to do it in three different ways in this covenant. He's going to do something really, really unique with the animals. He's going to do something with the way that Noah interacts with mankind. And he's going to do something with the way that Noah interacts with himself. The first one we see is when he tells them about the animals. He says, when you, when you get off the ark, um, I want you to be fruitful and, and, and multiply. And the fear of you... And the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. Now this is a really funny visual to think about, right? So God, God brings all of the animals to the ark. So Noah just kind of stands there, you know, as all the animals come in the ark. He's on the ark with them for a period of time. And they step, put on dry land. And What do the animals do? Vanish! Like, they're like, you know, like a deer. Just gone as soon as they get off the ark. Because that was part of God's covenant that he made with Noah. What would happen... If the lion wasn't afraid of Noah when he got off the ark, Noah would be a snack. There's not that many things to eat right there, right? The world has just been destroyed. Noah's got a bunch of animals. All the animals get off the ark. What are they supposed to do? You know, like they turn and start looking at at Noah and his kids, you know? Lion starts thinking, I'd like a little ham. Yeah, you get it? I thought of that on my own. I didn't read that. I know. I'll stop. And so, the, and so they bolt, right? Like the animals. The animals take off. That's a part of God's God's plan. Is He's ensuring mankind's survival in a, in, in a part of this covenant. In having the animals now fear man. This is God saying, "Okay, okay, Noah. I have a task that I set before you, and I am going to help you accomplish that task. First off, animals are going to be afraid of you. They're going to they're going to run from you. The second thing is God sets up a system of punishment. For murder, how did one of the things that got the earth so bad in the first place was that they were murdering one another. Lamech, he's bragging about it. He's like, "Ooh, I just killed a man." You think Cain, my dad's bad? Look at me. You know, that's what mankind. You know, that's what they produced from their, their rebellion in the garden. So God says, "Okay, I'm going to set up a system here to ensure that you continue to be fruitful and multiply, to be my image bearers. If someone murders another person." You're to, you're to kill them. We still live in that system today, right? A system of justice. God sets up that system of justice. But you have to understand that why he does it is to ensure the survival of his image bearers. Of, his, of the people that he has made covenant with. So he says animals are going to fear you. You're to set up this system where if blood is shed, uh, if, if for your lifeblood I will require reckoning from every beast, I will require it and from the man. For his fellow man, I require a reckoning for the life of man. And he, he kind of walks out what that's going to look like. That system of justice we get from God. Previous to this, God was the only one that held that job, right? When, when Cain sinned, God put a mark on Cain so that no one would kill him, right? But now, as a part of God's covenant, he says when, when, when mankind sheds blood, you're to, you're to shed his blood or her blood. That's a part of God's system. That's a part of, of his covenant that he made with us. And then he also says, I establish my covenant with you. That, so he has, animals will not kill you. Or, or when mankind tries to kill you or tries to kill each other, there's, there's to be a consequence for that. And God also says, and I will not kill you. He says, I, will, I make a covenant that I will never again do this with you. I will never again flood the earth. And what does he put as his symbol, his reminder of this covenant? Rainbow. It's really cool. It it says that uh, in, in 11, I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember. And then he says it again later on in 16, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see Rainbows aren't meant for us to remember that God said he would never flood the earth. It's meant for God to remember that he said he would never flood the earth. It's his sign of, his, of what he's doing to ensure this covenant being continued. And so we're, we're meant to look into this covenant and we're meant to see the, the, the way that God sets it up to continue the survival of. Of his, of his image bearers, and we know that God is going to continue this covenant with mankind, right? He's going to set up a sacrificial system through Moses so that man can have a right relationship with him. We see a small picture of this when Noah gets off the ark, he sacrifices some animals. It says it's a pleasing aroma to God. God requires that when, when there's sin, there must be a punishment for that sin. So I, he sets up this sacrificial system so that it can take the punishment for the sin. And then, and then we, having lived now after the cross, we know that that was just a picture of Jesus, right? We know that what God starts here in this sacrificial system is meant to point to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus when he when he dies for our sins, right? We're still sinful, God still hates sin, so what does God do? He takes the sin upon Himself. Who better? Who, who can make right the, the wrongs of man than God himself? God says, look, you're murderers. You're killing one another. So I'm going to set up this system. And then I'm going to send my son. And I'm going to come myself. And I will pay for your sin myself. Man, that's grace. That's what we're meant to look in the story and see these pictures of, of what God did and how he started it. And then to think, oh, man, that, that, doesn't that make Jesus so much sweeter? Even in the obedience of Noah, we look at Noah And we see obedience to do what God told him to do. And then we look at Christ, and what do we see? Obedience to do what God told him to do. Jesus in the garden, you know, Garden of Gethsemane. Being obedient to God to go and to pay the penalty for our sins. Man, that's that's just, I am just amazed at the story of God. I'm amazed at, at, at all that he does. And all this, these, these symbols. God just loves symbols. He loves these reminders. And he's given so much to us. He's given us the sacraments, right? We're, in a little bit, we're going to go and we're going to break the bread and the juice. It's a symbol. It's a reminder. Like the rainbow is a reminder to God. The sacraments are a reminder to us of all that Jesus has done. The, the, now there's a new way that we get to interact with God where he pays the penalty for our sins. And our response is great. It's like, oh man, I see that and it makes me want to be obedient to God and to respond to him in that way. And I think the last thing that, that we're meant to see, the last image or the last picture that, that the flood paints for us is one of judgment. Because we know that God judged the people before the flood, right? Right? And it wasn't meant to remove wickedness from the world because it didn't accomplish that task, right? Noah was still wicked afterwards. And later on in the scriptures when Jesus comes, once again we're going to see judgment. But this time God is going to pay the penalty for our sin. And just like after, after Noah, there's this new creation, this new start, we also know as as Christians, that one day there will be a new creation, right? There's still a final day of judgment to come. That's what the Scriptures teach. And for us, you know, we're to look at the flood, although it happened thousands and thousands of years ago, and we're meant to see a picture of God's grace, His plan for redemption, but ultimately remember there is still a day of judgment coming, right? Right? And when you look at the New Testament writers and like 2 Peter and 1 Peter, I think I have 2 Peter in the the slide. It uh, it talks about how how the flood was meant to be a picture of of judgment. But we know that in the second coming it's it's actually going to be fire. You can put the 2 Peter passage up there. It says that, that the flood was judgment for them but we know one day there'll be another judgment that's coming. But then we also know that Just as Noah was the savior to those people then, Jesus is the savior to us now. He paid the sacrifice for our sins. That's so beautiful. And there still is a day of judgment coming. And our job as his followers to receive his forgiveness, to receive grace, but then to go out and to live lives of obedience of declaring his glory to the nations, starting here in St. John's, to our neighbors and our coworkers, workers and, and then to go out and to go to places like Spain and, and, to, and to share with the Basque, to continue to display his glory, because one day it's all going to end. And like I said earlier, Jesus in, in, in Matthew, when, when, when his disciples asked him, you know, what's the end going to be like? Tell us what it's going to be like. Jesus says it's going to be a lot like before the flood. Mankind's going to be killing one another. They're going to be bragging about it. I see pictures of our world in there. You know, I don't know when God's going to come back. But I can sure, I can sure see that things are bad. And they're not getting any better. And so I want to respond to that. I want to believe. I want to have some urgency to my faith. To, to go and to tell and to speak, right? To tell people about the good news. To tell them about the incredible story of what God's done. To redeem them. To show favor upon them. Unmerited love. That's the message that we get to go forth and we get to preach. And that we get to, to teach and we get to say. I think that's why God gives us this story. Is to remember Remember all that he's done. So what I want us to do now is, is, uh, is just to continue to, to remember. And, and, and maybe today, uh, for you, it's just spending some time in prayer. Uh, I think there's a couple of different ways that we could respond to God. One of them is, is what I was talking about earlier with, with, the, with sin. And, and feeling like that you have, to, you have to be sinless before you can be obedient to God. And that's not the picture we see of, of the Scriptures It's just obedience and and maybe you're struggling with sin or struggling with with worth and you need somebody to come and pray with you. There's going to be some people up here on the front row that are going to be available to pray. If you want to come and pray with someone, just pull them aside and and talk to them about that. If you're struggling with it. Maybe if you're struggling with God's sense of justice, man, talk to God about that. See grace in that. And if you want to come and you want to take the Lord's Supper as a, as, a, as a symbol of repentance and faith, of acknowledging that Jesus paid the price for our sin, if you want to just worship a God that has an incredible plan in the midst of a lot of depravity, let's do that. Let's just, let's just respond to God. Like that's, that's what Noah did, right? He walked with God. That's what Enoch did. He walked with God. He wasn't sinless. He wasn't perfect. But he responded, and when he met God and he saw God's grace and favor, he responded to him in his life and knowing in Him, walking with him. Let's do that starting now in our worship, in remembering the journey that we've been on with Christ and the forgiveness. Oh, man, the, the sin that I'm prone to and that we're prone to, but then the forgiveness and the grace that we find in Jesus Christ, that's something worth worshiping. That's why Billy chooses those particular songs. Because they sing such powerful truths that we just need to remember. And I believe that it will change the way that we interact and the way that we we live with God. And let's remember that one day God is going to complete the story. It's ongoing. We are playing a part of it right now. But one day he will return. It will be a glorious return. and I can't wait for it. But in the meantime... Let's respond in obedience. I want to invite you guys to stand. We're going to pray, and we're going to respond to God with our words and with our lives and with our prayers. And like Noah, we're going to find faith and obedience. Let's pray. Father, God, I just, I thank you for grace. I thank you that you liked Noah, and I know that that you like me, that you like us, Father. I know that, that you have... Re- You have showered us with your grace, that you have chosen us. You've said that that we're a chosen people, and it's not anything out of our self-worth, God. We just admit that we don't deserve your favor, but we receive it, God. And I just pray that you would move our hearts to respond in obedience. I know that's what you're calling of your church. I know that's what you're calling of the people that you have made covenant with is to respond to you. And you've given us every way to respond to you, Father. Even in coming and in in paying the penalty for our sin, you've allowed us to be holy and blameless before you in your eyes, God. You've done everything for us. Father, move us, God. Move our hearts to respond in obedience to you. Right now in this place. We see your love and we see your grace and we want to respond to you. And we can do that because of the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.